0: Today we read both in the Old Testament and also in the New. In the Old Testament, we're continuing something in the life of David. 2 Samuel chapter 7. We have God's promise to David. After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from his enemies around him, he said to nathan the prophet here i am living in a house of cedar and the ark of god remains in a tent nathan replied to the king whatever you have in mind go ahead and do it for the lord is with you but that night the word of the lord came to nathan saying go and tell my servant David this is what the Lord says are you the one to build me a house to dwell in I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt to this day I have been moving from place to place with a tent as a dwelling wherever I moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of the rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then tell my servant David, this is what the Lord almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the sheep, the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies before you. Now I will make your name great like the ones of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did in the beginning and have done so since the time i appointed leaders over my people israel i will also give you rest from your enemies the lord declares to you that the lord himself will establish a house for you when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors i will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hand. but my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever." Some words given through the prophet to David. And we come down from 1000 BC to the words of our Lord recorded in Luke chapter 6. Jesus arrives at the synagogue in Nazareth. Luke 14:16. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the prisoners oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began to say to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing amen thanks be to god for his word today our theme is man's good ideas and god's even greater plan. Sometimes in life, we can come to a crossroads where we have choices to make. And having made our choice and opted on one, we may wonder, what if we would chosen the other one? What would my life been like if I had chosen differently? At the end of my divinity studies, we students were expecting to get assistantships where ministerial placements we would study under a senior minister. Some managed to make a personal arrangement with a senior minister, others just were allocated a place by the college. Well, a friend of mine was finishing his year and he asked if I would like his minister to be uh, the, my minister and I to be his assistant at Knightswood in Glasgow. Well, I met the minister and he said, yes, I, um, and he mentioned his, the name of my friend, Is finished his year and um, I'd I be pleased to take you on as, a, as assistant for next year, coming years. So I said to him, well, there's only one thing. It doesn't look good if I'm asking, and Knightswood was a a real well-to-do area, as if I was wanting a sort of prime church. Would you please make the uh, write-in and ask for me to be the assistant? So he said he would. And everything was fine. So the week came when we were all offered, and it was printed up in the notice board, and we were all strained to see. And I looked... And there was no mention of Knightswood. Instead, there was a place called Pollock. Now, I had no idea where Pollock was and I had to get a map out and uh, find. I did go to Pollock and under the Reverend James Curry at St. James's in Pollock, I did my assistantship. And the very first uh, time I went to tea to My senior minister, there was a girl doing letters for him, I'm certain Mary Thompson. And little did I know that within three and a half years, Mary would be my wife. Um, She was a member in the congregation and a a Brownie uh, leader. I can remember when we've had our first argument after we were married. (laughs) Uh, Mary probably will remember it too. Because, you know, she said, I wish that minister had sent in that letter. <laughs> well, of course, if the minister had sent in the letter, we would never have met, and things would have been so different. Two Cho- choices. There's a wonderful poem by Robert Frost on that same a theme, The Road Less Travelled. Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveller, long I stood, And looked down one as far as I could, To where it bent in the undergrowth, Then took the other, just as fair, Having perhaps the better claim, Because it was grassy and wanted wear. And both that morning equally lay, In leaves no step had trodden back. Oh, I kept the first for another day, Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I would ever be back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that, has made all the difference. The story in Second Samuel is a story of God's grace at work with ordinary people. We know them, David. Solomon as great men, but they were not inhuman and superhuman. They were frail, imperfect leaders, but people who were enfolded in the great redemptive purpose of God. Rob Jones reminded us last week that David was prevented from a rash outburst which could have resulted in great bloodshed by the wise action. Of a lady called Abigail, a woman who was guided by God to pour oil on troubled waters. The Old Testament story of the kingdoms of David and Solomon are central to the history of Israel, as is the great temple worship with its sacrifices in Jerusalem. But it might have been otherwise had Israel first followed god's revealed word israel are god's people but sometimes they wanted ways that were at odds with god's revealed will god wanted to rule as their king and them to be special not to an earthly one monarch but god to be the sovereign and his people to be a covenant people but they wanted a human king to be like other nations around at the time so in giving Saul as king God says all right so be it you've got it was the second best the other choice the alternative history what might they have achieved had they listened and obeyed fully today today's story is about God's good David's good plan David has established and secured as king of Israel And he's now in Jerusalem, and that's their center. The new palace has been built, with built in magnificent cedar wood, and erected by a building team from Tyre, the best in time. All of his reign, David would battle with enemies outside and sometimes within to secure Israel's borders. Now in his palace, he looks at the tabernacle, the tent outside, And he thinks, what if the Lord had a magnificent temple? So he goes to the prophet Nathan with his worthy idea, his good plan. And Nathan tells him, yes, David, that's whatever's in your mind. You do it. God's with you. After all, you don't rubbish a king's plans and words, do you? But Nana asked at that point, what is God's purpose regarding the matter? These days in the church of Scotland, we have some tough decisions to make on future patterns or the Kirk in Scotland, how to streamline central committees. They're getting too top heavy, how to streamline presbyteries. There's too many. How to engage and use the ministerial manpower that are being stretched. And all the costly buildings that we own. And we have to ask, what is the purpose of what we are doing in the church? Surely the leaders have good plans and paper, but how do we we tune in to God's Spirit guiding us? What's he saying to us in all the things? What's he saying to us through this pandemic? What's he saying to us in the economic things that are happening and in the climate change before us? How do we simplify our cumbersome structures in order to let God's word be heard more clearly and the mission of his saving love to be at the center of what we're about? Are we really listening to his spirit? John said to the churches in Asia, and this... First century A.D., whoever has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So David's good plan, but he hadn't consulted. David's plans look good, but God reveals to his prophet that he had a better plan, one that would have a temple built to replace the temple, not by David, but by one of his sons. And it turned out to be Solomon. The prophet Samuel seems to be still alive, but Nathan seems to have become the prophet to pass on the word of God to David. And Nathan reveals God's plan, his greater plan of salvation stretching down through history. God has a plan for all history. And he reminds Nathan that he has never asked his people to build a magnificent temple of stone and wood his tabernacle was a movable tent where the people went. He was at the center. Now, of course, they're settled in Jerusalem, but he's still to be the center. And God says he called David out of obscurity to rule Israel. He has promised to defeat David's enemies, to establish the nation, to make the King's name among the great of history and to keep them safe unmolested David will die in peace and one of his sons will rule the nation and build a temple he will be blessed and when he sins he'll be punished as a father punishes his child his son but God will establish his royal line for all time that was the promise a kingdom and a dynasty continuing Kings, of course, don't like to be challenged, but it is, a, and prophets can put their lives in danger even by going against the king's plans. Isaiah found it out and Jeremiah found it out as he was thrown into a, a dungeon and nearly lost his life. But in this instance, David is humble enough to accept the prophet's word as God word to him. He must have been disappointed to have his heart's wish set aside but he listens to all that Nathan tells him from the Lord. So today how much do we listen to what God is saying to us? How humble are we to accept God's word when he says not your will not this one Perhaps we can look back at all the church attendances of our youth and and then look at the much reduced numbers bringing up their families in the way of the Lord today. But surely God has a purpose of grace for you and me and for our church. Look at the wonderful promises that David receives from God. And later in the chapter, would take it very much to heart and if you read on from uh, towards the end of the chapter you will see David praying and in his prayer of thanks he will thank God for every single one of these promises that Nathan mentioned. God promised to David to keep Israel safe during his reign He promised descendants of David would take over the kingdom. He promised a son would build a temple. He says the throne or the dynasty of David will be an eternal kingdom. So God's people in the Old Testament were to hang on to that promise even though history would show they would be divided into two realms. After Solomon, Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And then Israel would, through sin, lose their land. They would be driven into exile in the 8th century by the Assyrians and Judah in the 6th century by the Babylonians. Later in the 4th century, the remnant would return and there would be no king and a new temple would need to be built. And then that too. They found to their cost that they couldn't pay fast and loose with God's revealed word and God's sovereign majesty is not something to be trifled with or set aside without disastrous consequences. I will punish them as a father's punishes his son. To this day, there is no king in Israel. There is no temple in Israel. The remains of Herod's temple called the gate, the third temple. The remains of it is called the wailing wall. And it's just the foundations below the, the level of the temple. And many a Jewish prayer has been tucked into the crevices. Jews still bewail the loss of the king and the kingdom. So the question is, has God's promise failed? He promised an eternal kingdom from the fall of the kingdom of Israel. It looked like it and the break in the monarchy. It seems that David's line is no more, but wait you. We have to cross from a thousand BC, a millennium of history. To the one to whom the Magi spoke in Matthew two, where is he that is born? King of the Jews. Two Gospels trace Jesus' lineage. And it seems from Mary and Joseph, both lineage goes back to David. So there's the link. God has not forgotten his promise. God has not played fast and loose with his word the royal house of David was going to be established. God would fulfill his promise made long ago to David. And as we hear that man, Jesus, in the synagogue at Nazareth, reading from Isaiah, the scroll of the scriptures, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He proclaimed, he's anointed me to proclaim and anoint his Ashiach, Messiah. To proclaim good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, the oppressed free in the year of the Lord's favour. This scripture, Jesus says, is being fulfilled in your eyes. Now, how is it fulfilled? They are looking at him. Jesus. He is called David's, King David's or great David's greater son, son of God, who would die for all races and by his resurrection would bring a new throne, a new kingdom that is everlasting and indestructible, the reign of God in people's hearts jesus said i'll build my church the powers of hell will not prevail he said i give to my sheep eternal life and they shall never die and that's why we take the promises of jesus and only when the lord gave up his spirit to death on the cross did that great curtain of the temple split in two, tear up and all human temples made of stone and necessary for the great once for all sacrifice has been made for all humanity, full atonement, effected for all mankind, not just Jews. And the link between heaven and earth is opened up by our Lord's royal priestly sacrifice. And it means the temple is spiritual. The temple is God's. God in me, God in us, and the temple will never be destroyed. Hebrews says, chapter 12, You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the joyful gathering of God's true children. Let us be thankful, for we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so today, from the depth of history, a thousand years, three thousand years ago, God's word comes. So let God's word remain in our hearts this week. For be sure of this, he keeps all his promises and we can stake our life on them. He whose word cannot be broken wants to set up his presence in our life and work freely through us. So we bend the knee and say, Lord, pleased to tell me your word and help me to obey it. So let us bend the knee and accept his rule. It's always the best way. Amen.